Hey, this is Brett Hulk on the Greg Bennett Show. Any questions? Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I've just finished a wonderful conversation with Mr. Brett Hawke. Brett's a five-time Olympian, two times as an athlete and three times as a coach. And during his coaching days, he coached Cesar Cielo to the 50-meter gold medal at the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. And Brett's background from being athlete to coach to number one podcaster in the world in the swimming realm with his uh, podcast, Inside with Brett Hawke. Anything he does, this guy, he turns into gold. He's just an amazing human being. He now works with me at Any Question. He's the head of expert acquisition, and we we talk about some of the remarkable people that he's bringing on to the platform at Any Question. And, And in this episode, there's just so much mindset knowledge that you can learn. Brett's mind is really quite incredible how he's just a fierce competitor, that he doesn't take no, that he he rejects self-doubt or he lets it fuel him. But just a really wonderful episode that I think you'll leave feeling pretty pumped and inspired about the world. Brett is incredibly authentic and vulnerable in this show, and I think you'll get a lot out of this one. You can go ask Brett any follow-up questions if you go to anyquestion.com forward slash Brett Hawk, and you can go ask Brett any questions you like. He's very good at getting back to you. And go check out the Any Question platform now with almost 700 different people with expertise across 20 different channels, including recently we just launched Pets, and we have some of the, the greatest uh, dog trainers in the world answering questions as well. So go check it out, anyquestion.com forward slash Brett Hawk, or you can go to iOS or Android and look up any question there. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did, and remember, Success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right, today I am joined by one of the rare few who not only reached the top of the world as an athlete in his chosen sport of sprint swimming, but he also coached numerous athletes to do the same. A five-time Olympian, twice as an athlete and three times as a coach. He was an Australian Olympian at the 2000 Sydney and the 2004 Athens Olympic Games. And before his Olympic career, he went to Auburn University to swim and there he earned 17 All-American honours and was a nine-time NCAA individual champion and he helped Auburn win two national team championships. After his Olympic athletic career, he returned to Auburn to become an assistant coach in 2006 and then became the head coach from 2009 to 2018 and during that time, Auburn won the NCAA national title in 2009 and he trained countless Auburn swimmers to the Olympics. He coached Brazilian swimmer Cesar Cielo to the 50-metre freestyle gold medal at the Beijing Olympic Games in 2008. He was last on the show in episode 62, almost two years ago. A lot has changed since, and he now works as the head of expert acquisition at Any Question and has the world's number one swing podcast, Inside with Brett Hawke. And we've become good mates in the process. So I'm excited to discuss his various pivots and transitions throughout his career, but it's just such an honor and privilege to have him back on the show. So welcome and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show. Brett Hawke, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been two years. Wow. Well, almost. I think we did it We did it early, I think February or something, early yeah. uh, 2021. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm doing something right if you have me back, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, a lot's changed, hasn't it? Like I think I think yeah. back and uh, I can't remember who it was on Instagram said, oh, you know, Greg, you should get on Brett's show and Brett, you should get on Greg's show and, and we did. Yeah. And then, um, you know, since then I came to you, I think, uh, well, just over a year ago now and said, hey, we're building this platform called Any Question. We'd love to build out a swimming channel. Do you know anything about swimming? And you took, you took the reins. <laughs> yeah, mate. What a, I mean, thank you for that. You really changed my life. And there, there's, there's, there's a few people in my life that I, I, can, I can say that about, you know, and then you're definitely in that um, part of the story now. You're part of that picture. So, like, somebody that's really had a major influence on my life, I, I'm, I can now say that's Greg Bennett, you know, and, uh, and I thank you for that because, look, what you've done for me and the way that you have um, – transform my life and what you what the door that you opened for me has been 
just remarkable. And I've learned so much in the past 12 months or so working for you, with you and, and, and Ed Baker and, and the team at any question. I never imagined my life would go this way. And mm. so it's, it's funny when you, you know, when you, when, when your life takes a turn like that, you just kind of run with it and, and, you know, I've got good people around me like yourself guiding me and uh, and being there with me, and we're trying to figure this out together. But, uh, mate, what a run. You know, it's it's really exciting. It really is, isn't it? And you talk about, I mean, the door analogy is perfect because all I did was say there's a little crack in the door mm. and you, your personality, your passion and your drive just said, right, we're going to do this, let's do it. And both Ed and I were just blown away by the way you – committed and said, this is what you want to do. Um, you know, like <laughs> we reached out and said, yeah, we need a bit of help. You know, we'd love to build out the swimming channel. We'd, we got triathlon, we got cycling kind of going and you came in and, and this is the difference between people that, that you recognized an opportunity mm. and you really went all in. Mm. And it seems to me when we, you know, after reading out your, your intro there, you're quite good at doing that. You're quite good at going, there's a little opportunity. Yeah. I'm going to really push that door open and go all in. And and that's when Ed and I were just so impressed with you that we were like, okay. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, look, I have, I have been that. I have done that in my life and I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. You know, I think when I do listen to someone like you read a resume, I don't go back and, and, you know, look over my resume very often. But when someone like you read something like that and reminds me of, of moments, mm. I'm, I'm proud of myself that I have taken that approach in life where, where I've said, like, like, if something kind of, like, you know, tickles your feet or, you know, gets the hair on the back of your neck kind of going, like, you, you, you sense it, right? You have mm. this sense in life, like, this is just this is just too good. And something like this doesn't come along very often. And, and when, it, when someone like Ed Baker and, and mm. Greg Bennett team up together and they kind of offer you um, something to kind of consider, you, you think to yourself, well, I'd be an idiot if I didn't consider it. And then when you really look deeper and you say, well, Greg Bennett has been successful in every facet of his life. He's a world champion. And then Ed Baker has gone on to build multiple <laughs> um, winning platforms well, I'd be an idiot if I didn't say, well, why wouldn't I jump at this offer? And, yeah, and yeah, if you look at it on the face of it, there wasn't much there to start with. You know, it was just like, well, mm. we've got an idea and we want your help with it. And so it's like, yeah, you have to take a leap of faith. But when you look at who's offering it to you, then it, it makes perfect sense to me, you know? Mm. Well, I, wa- I want to go, you know, a bit later in the show, I, wanna, I really want to dive into what your role is and what we're doing at Any Question Is. But to... Let, let's let's recap your journey to date because, you know, as I said in the intro, um, you know, incredible what you did at Auburn University um, and all the NCAA titles, you know, then finally got to the Olympics because I remember the last episode we chatted, you know, 96 was the games that you really went for. Mm. And then you, you know, I think you said you were working at Pizza Hut as a delivery driver or something, trying yeah. to make ends meet. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was a fascinating episode. If people haven't heard that, just listen to the determination of somebody that says this isn't a ni- would be a nice thing to have it's a must have and you made it yeah. a must have and it's really an amazing journey but give me the recap you know of that that period in your life yeah a couple of big moments right like i i, I was a 20 year old young man who had been out of high school for a number of years a struggling athlete you know trying to make the 96 olympic team and and it didn't happen you know i missed mm. it by 3 one-hundredths of a second <sighs> And at that point, you know, life smacks you in the face. And, and that's when my dad, you know, I love my dad and my dad's always been honest with me. My dad said, Brett, it's time to move on. It's time to go get a real job. Like you've been, you've done the swimming thing and it didn't work out. You wanted to go to the Olympics and that's, that, that was your dream. You're, you're a 20 year old man with no formal education, with no real mm. experience. You know, you're delivering pizzas. Like you've got to get on with your life, buddy. And and my dad was always that type of mentality, like you got to work, you know, mm-hmm. to earn a living. And so I just said, I'm, I'm not ready. I just didn't feel, didn't feel right to be retired at 20 when I was just kind of coming into figuring out who I was and figuring out my body and, and just, you know, I had, I, yeah, I had a setback. Okay. But like, we all have setbacks. And it's like, so that was, for me, it was more of a defining moment of like, what am I going to do now? Mm. You know? And that's when I decided to go to America. And it's, again, it's that leap of faith of like, David Marsh comes into my life and another man who opened a door for me, Mm. who's, who's, you know, he was just inducted into the swimming hall of fame as a coach um, last year. 
to one of the greatest coaches in in history comes into my life and I, I was I'd be stupid not to take an opportunity to go swim for him so I went over to America you know didn't really know anything about it but again had that attitude that I that you say I have where it's like if you're going to be in you're going to be all in so I didn't I didn't worry about what I was leaving behind I didn't worry about whether I could eat Vegemite for breakfast in the morning it was like <laughs> you know like Whatever America had to offer to me, I was going to embrace it wholeheartedly. And I did that and I had a lot of success in college. And then I went back and made the Australian Olympic team in 2000 when I had more experience, when I was ready for it, for that moment, Mm. that occasion, you know, I was able to cash in at that point in time because I had backed myself into gaining the experience that I needed. So that that was really the turning point, you know. Mm. And then after that 2000 Olympic experience, was it okay? I mean, especially home hometown Olympics, Sydney, you know, it's all mm-hmm. happening. And for people that don't understand, swimming in Australia, you're as big as our NFL players in the US, you know, or the soccer players in Europe. Swimming in Australia, especially in that generation, there was a real, you know, Ian Thorpe and Grant yeah. Hackett and Michael Clem and Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. I mean, it was really it was the peak yeah. of Australian swimming and you were in that group of rock stars that, that performed. Did, you know, was there any reason that you kept going to Athens? What was your, your thought then? Yeah, again, I think I, I, I got a taste for it. I got a taste for that Olympic uh, feeling and and, um, and, I, and I did go to the Olympics. I finished I finished 13th in the 50 freestyle. I made the semifinal, but again, it was like this feeling of disappointment. Even though I... I I looked around and I, I wasn't stupid. I wasn't I wasn't Alexander Popov. I wasn't blessed with the greatest of genetics where I felt like I could um, take down any human on earth. Like I wasn't that delusional, but at the same time I was delusional enough to believe that I could compete with the best in the world. So I, I still had this burning desire to compete. I wanted to race and, and I love swimming. And like you said, swimming was such a big deal that mm. why would you walk away from it if you had the chance to be in it? You know, mm. like why wouldn't you want to be teammates with Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett, mm. uh, Susie O'Neill? I mean, these were, these were the greatest people to learn from and travel with and be teammates with. So for me it was like, no, I'm not walking away from this now. Now it was the attitude was I'm going to dominate domestically in Australia. I'm going to be the number one sprinter in Australia and no one's going to beat me. And that was kind of my mindset and my attitude. And that's what happened for six years. Like I, mm. I dominated Australian swimming in the sprint events. Now I'm talking about the 50 freestyle. If you if you put me up in a two-lapper, um, <laughs> you know, people, are going to, people are going to stitch me up pretty good, you know. But um, but the one-lapper was my event. I said no one's going to beat me in it and no one did, you know. And, um, and I traveled the world for six years with the best swim team in the world, with the greatest coaches, and I just learned so much. Like mm. I took, you know, I was like a sponge, you know, sitting there watching right next to Ian Thorpe, preparing himself mentally and physically to go out and compete at the 2004 Olympics in what they regard as the greatest swim in history, the 200 mm. freestyle. Mm-hmm. I was sitting right next to him, you know, 10 minutes before that race. Like that, that was kind of like I had the front seat to the, the yeah. best athletes in the world. And so like I was learning. And so as much as I was an athlete at that time, I was kind of pre-training myself to be a coach in the future where I was taking, taking mm. it all in and, that was my training ground. So, yeah, look, I swam for Australia for six years beyond 2000. I, I swam at every major international, never missed a team um, and uh, and represented my country and loved it. And then got to the age of 31 and realized, look, I was traveling the world at that stage with, with a lot of young kids. You know, they were, they were just up and coming, you know, 16 year old girls were on the team, tra- you know, traveling the world with me. I was like, this, this isn't really fun anymore. So it wasn't, it wasn't a matter that I'd kind of hit a peak or I was injured or anything like that. It was more of like, right, I've done it now. I've hmm. learned enough. I've, I've enjoyed it. Now it's time to back out, you know? Yeah. There's something about when you, when you, you know, you, you tick all your boxes and, yeah. and then the passion kind of goes, eh, I've, I've done it. Yeah. There's something there that you're like, I don't need to keep trying to do this. Like it's my only thing I'm ever going to do. And, and to what you said, you know, mm. you instinctively knew that 
there's a coach in you. I mean, you left yeah. Athens, you made the final, you were fifth or sixth there in the final. Yeah, I, I finished sixth in the final. Sixth, yeah. and again, very, very close. Like we're talking <laughs> so yeah. close in the 50 yeah, minutes. <laughs> but then how, what was that next kind of door that came open for you then after Sydney Olympics and then moving back to Auburn University? How did that all work out? Um, I hadn't finished my degree, and I'm the type of guy that if there's something hanging over my head, i got to finish it, and my, my degree was hanging over my head because uh-huh. I, I'd left college early to come back to make the Olympic team. I knew I couldn't be living in America and make this Australian Olympic team in 2000. So so I cut out early. I made that tough decision. It wasn't something that I was proud of at that point. And so David Marsh at that time was still the head coach at Auburn and offered me a chance to come back and finish my degree. And, and I got there and the moment I touched down, he said, hey, we've got a problem. One of the coaches, one of the assistant coaches has has been diagnosed with cancer. I need some help for the summer. Can you wow. can you help me for the summer? Just just coach a, a group. And I said, I mean, sure. Yeah, why not? Like I'm not I'm just here. I'm I'm studying a little bit and you know, and I was like, Yeah, I can do that. So I I uh, I took a group and um and I loved it from the get-go. I just I fell in love with coaching. I, it was never a dream of mine to be a coach. And he gave me a group of athletes to work with and immediately I clicked with these with these kids and we immediately started having success in my group. And I thought to myself, wow, this is the easiest job in the world. Like what? I, could, <laughs> I could do this, you know, and uh, little did I know down the road it would get much harder. But uh, at yeah. that point in time, it was simple and uh, kids were swimming fast and they were happy. And, and uh, he just offered me a full-time job after that as a, as a coach. So what I ended up doing was going part-time to university, finishing my degree part-time. And at the same time, being a full-time coach at the university, so and then and then a couple of years later, yep. How did the full-time, you know, head coach come about? I mean, you were assistant Same thing, coach, you know. Yeah, David Marsh uh, left that 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 year that I that I took uh, the assistant job with him. He he left the following year, and um, a new coach came in by the name of Richard Quick, who was an all-time legendary Stanford's women's swimming coach. He coached Janet Evans. He coached um, J- uh, Jenny Thompson. Like I was, you know, Dara Torres. Like he, he was like a living legend. And he comes in and takes over the program at Auburn, and he keeps me on as the assistant sprint coach uh, to coach the sprinters. And um, and then eighteen months later, you know, he's diagnosed with a brain tumor and and uh, and dies. And and, and, and they say to me, well, we're going to bring in a new head coach. And and, uh, and I thought to myself, well, I know what it's like in America. If, if they bring in a new head coach, that coach has the ability to get rid of everybody. Uh-huh. And I panicked at that stage. I, I, I kind of panicked and I, and I made a decision that I probably wasn't ready for, but, I, but I, I backed myself. I said, look, I want the head coaching job. I've only been in, I've only been in coaching two years, but I want the job. And and they actually gave it to me. And not only did they give me the men's team, which I had exclusively been working with, but they also gave me the women's team, which I'd never worked with. And so um, that was, you know, if I look back on anything as, as kind of a, a mistake, you know, that was definitely a mistake at that point in time. I wasn't ready for it, you know what I mean? And um, and I had to learn. Like first, the first three or four years were just learning on the job, like figuring it out. But and this that, is you, Brett. I mean, <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's like this mentality, this this hustle, this mm. you know desire that I can I can do better, I can be better, and even if I'm not ready, I'll still jump in and, and see what I can do. And yeah. and I think there's a lot of people uh, that would be sort of going, yeah, there's no way I'd put my hand up for that because I'm not ready, and and they're waiting yeah. for themselves to be perfect. And there's yeah. no such thing as perfect, and there's no such thing as being completely ready. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that you own it. You know, you say, "Look, I wasn't ready," but I yeah. also just love the fact that you're like, "Well, if I don't do this, I could get fired." So it's either yeah. dive in or not. I think that's a really cool story. Uh, and, yeah. and about look, there's an opportunity. Put your hand up and do the best you can, right? Yeah. Well, I love my team. It was my team. I'd swum there. You know, I'd coached there. I'd had success. I'd, you know, by that stage, I had coached an Olympic champion in the in the 50 freestyle and yeah. in uh, yellow. He, he had he, he broke the world record that year as well. So it was like, yeah, things were clicking. And I, I at, at the time, probably my ego told me I could handle it. And I, I learned pretty quickly that um, it was a lot more to – coaching it was a lot more to the management of the team than mm. anything right like I became a manager and instead of you know I thought I thought it was a head coaching position it's not a coaching position it's a management position and I I just hadn't done the management training I hadn't I hadn't learned how to manage 
you know, a team of 70 people at that stage and, and be the leader of that team. And so when you walk in every day, everybody looks at you for the, for the answers. And I just had, I just didn't have it at that point um, in, enough. And now, you know, I, I, I held the job for 10 years. So like I did a good job, but I didn't do it to the standard that I wanted to do it where I wanted to be winning national championships year after year. And we just, we didn't get to that point year after year where we were doing that. And, um, and that was disappointing. So at the end of 10 years, I said, you know what, I've done it. Um, I'm going to hand it off to someone else and, and give them a chance. And so I decided to kind of uh, divert careers and go back into, uh, I went into a, a job where um, we were running swim clinics all around the country. So we were running about 250 swim clinics. It, it was a, a business called Fitter and Faster where we would go in and, and take kind of uh, nine-year-olds to 18-year-olds. We, we would teach them, you know, the, the basics of swimming. So I did that for a couple of years. I want to go back just a little bit. You know, I, you breezed over, you know, Cesar Cielo and the, what was it yeah. like, you know, comparing your own sort of drive and determination as an athlete when you, when you're going and it's all about you, but then the next Olympics, you know, you went to 2000, you went to 2004 and the very next Olympics, mm. you're coaching the world's greatest ever 50 meter freestyler and hundred and, and yeah. What was that experience like when you compare coaching the gold medalist to your own experience? Was it more nerve-wracking? Was it more heightened arousal levels? What was it like? Uh, I think you, you have a sense of responsibility, but you also do your best where you say, look, look I'm going to give you the tools. It's like, you're, it's like you're a tradesman, right? And you go in and say, here's the tools and I'm going to teach you how to use these tools and then ultimately I'm going to hand them to you and you've got to finish the job, you know? And, um, and so... That, that's, what it, that's what it was. It was basically me teaching him everything I could possibly teach him. Now, in my experiences at the past two Olympics, I think it helped me to kind of connect with him on a level unlike any other coach at the time because I just stepped off the pool deck. I was still regarded as one of the fastest swimmers in the world, and here I am now taking over his program mm. and connecting with him and saying, well, here's everything I know. Here's how to apply it. Here's all the current information. Here's here's the things that I learned from being around the greatest athletes that maybe other people don't know. So maybe I've, we've got a leg up here. We, we know something that other people don't know. So you've got the talent. I've got the information. Why don't we put the two together and we'll work our asses off in the next couple of years to, to be the best in the world. And that's what we did. And, and it just clicked, you know, when it clicks with somebody, when they, when they come in and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. And then at the same time, I've got the talent to do it, you know, you can make magic happen in that sense. Uh, look, this kid was was a freak talent, don't get me wrong. You know, he, he could do things in training that no one else could do. He didn't do them all the time. It, it wasn't like he was on every repeat. But if he wanted to embarrass somebody in practice and say, okay, i got another level I can go to, he would he would get to that level and, and just kind of put people in their place. And, and you know, you'd think, you'd think he'd maxed out on something and then all of a sudden he goes to this next gear and you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. that's special. You know, and you've seen guys like that in oh, athletics. Yeah. You've seen triathletes like that where all of a sudden they click this next gear and you're like, no one else has that gear. And so he kind of had that in sprinting and, and when he when he tapped into it, it was like, oh, oh, man, the stars aligned. It was just gorgeous. It was beautiful. And everybody could see it on the pool deck at the time. So, yeah, he took my knowledge and um, and we, we ended up breaking world records. And um, it was just one of those real great partnerships, mm. you know, that didn't didn't last forever, but it lasted long enough to create magic, you know? Yeah, I love that. I, I, and I love the fact that you've been around the swimming community now, you know, for 30 years plus mm. and, you know, and now you've gone and in a sense, you're giving back to the community with, with your podcast yeah. where you're interviewing the world's greatest swimmers, swim coaches, anything to do with the sport. And, you know, I think you've even had some strength trainers on there and all, all yeah. sorts of people. How, how is that transition going from, you know, being an athlete world-renowned coach to now hosting this world-renowned podcast in the swimming world. Swimming's in your blood, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately it is. You know, and that's <laughs> like, um, like, again, I never planned it this way. I never said that 
I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. The only thing I really wanted to do that burned a hole in me is I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. And I, know, I didn't know whether I could get there at some point. You know, many, many times throughout that process over those four or five years, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, I don't know mm. if I'm good enough. You've got to be a pretty special athlete in Australia to be called an Olympian. Um, and, and I just didn't know whether I had that type of talent. And so I just worked so hard and I focused in and I – and I got to a point where I just stopped making excuses, Greg. I was like, look, there's a million reasons why this this maybe shouldn't happen, but I'm not going to accept any of those. Like, I'm going to make it happen. And, and what I told my athletes, I tell I'll, I'll, this is a great thing that I want everybody to understand. They're not going to stop the Olympic race on race day. You know, if, it, if, it's, if, the, if the Olympic triathlon goes off on August 25th, you know, uh, 2024 in Paris, if that's the date, they're not changing it because Greg Bennett wakes up with a headache. You know, they're not changing it if Greg Bennett wakes up with a flat tire. You know, the Olympic race is going to go off August 15th, whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. And this is what I tell my athletes. Stop making excuses because do you want to, do you want to compete for a medal? If you do, then under any circumstances, you're going to be on that line on race day under any circumstances. You know, and there's no excuses. And so you've just got to eliminate all excuses in your life to get things done. And I think you can apply that to all aspects of your life generally. Mm. Like I think too often we look for the excuses, the way, the ways out, the way, the, the reasons why it shouldn't happen. And I look for reasons why it will happen. That's what I do in my life. So you've had to, you know, I think the last episode we were on, we, we both talked about, you know, self-doubt and insecurities and, and how they were in us both. And over time, we just, we got better and better at sort of managing that skill set to change that mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you're somebody that's now on the other, other side of it where you, you can help others with that kind of mindset change. Is that a part of the, the podcast is sharing stories with, with other guests and figuring out how oh. they do it? Oh yeah, yeah. Look, I I don't get into what's your favorite workout. Yeah, How yeah, you know yeah. what heart rate did you hold, and you know what time interval. I don't care. Like yeah, that that yeah. to me is like insignificant stuff. Like yeah. to me, it's more about what you're talking about here in terms of sharing the experience, understanding how to get through things. Uh, overcome things, be successful. You know, like I often talk to my athletes, like, well, what what were you feeling in the marshalling area? What were you feeling? Yeah. You know, two minutes before the race. You know, what what were you doing? You know, what what kind of actions were you taking? You know, how were you how were you responding? Because ultimately, ten minutes later, you go out and you and you produce either the best performance of your life, something that you've never done before, or you, or you, or you fall short, you know? And so like, I try and analyze the whys of that moment in time and what led up to that and what were you thinking and how did, how did you react to certain things? So like, that's what I'm into more so than, look, I think, I think ultimately what I tell my athletes as well is like, look, your brain tells your legs what to do. It's not your legs telling your brain what to do. You, you can't say to me like uh, to, a, a lot of the times an athlete, an athlete will say, oh, my legs hurt. My, your legs hurt because your legs are telling your brain that they hurt. Why doesn't your brain tell your legs that they don't hurt, right? <laughs> and, you, and you flip it on your legs. Yeah. And, and you, tell your, you tell your legs something else. Instead of your legs controlling your brain and the senses in your legs and the feelings, like feelings are controllable, right? Mm. And that's the way I've always put it is like you can control your feelings. So for me, the analysis of that and – and the understanding of that is so much more powerful than any kind of workout that we could, you know, talk about um, on a daily basis. You know, oh, you and you and I, mate, I I totally think the same thing. And for a lot of listeners, they would have heard me sort of refer to this quote, which was from Dr. Tommy Wood, who is on the Any Question platform, and mm. you know, he's like, "What you think has a direct impact on your physiology," and oh, and, and, and when you truly start believing that positive or negative thought has a positive or negative effect on your physiology and you start owning that and it's trainable. It's a skill set. That's what's cool about it. It's like, it's not like, oh, Brett Hawke, he, he was born this way. And so he, he gets it. It's one of the cool skills that we all get to develop and get better at is going, I have the full ability to control my brain and my thoughts which then affect my physiology in every single way. And, yeah. and, and that's where it's like one of, the, one of my favorite things about what we're doing at any question is that you and I are on the team 
And we both come with this kind of mindset of whether it's being past athletes and we've just understood the power of the mind. And, you know, we're now, what, 15 employees full-time and plus, yeah. you know, a cast of thousands of con- contractors and part-timers. But it's, it's fun to have meetings where, you know, you and I kind of discuss mindset and, mm. and to see the rest of the team kind of engage in the storytelling process. It's one of my favorite things. It really is where the two, you, you yeah. come one day and you'll be talking about, you know, goal setting and looking from the final destination on top of the staircase back yeah. or whatever it is. I've yeah. always loved that, that we bring that Olympic athlete mentality. And I kind of want to bring even more of that into the company as we grow. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And, you know, a lot of what you learn over time is, is relatable and, and that's where you can, um, you can kind of pivot and move into any direction in life and be successful by the things that you've learned over time, you know? Yeah. Now, before we dive into a little bit more about any question, I, I got to ask you, you know, on your podcast, you've got a couple of hundred episodes now. It's, it's crushing mm. it out there. Are there any episodes that stand out to you that have been all-time favorites? Uh, you know, it's, it's always, uh, for me, you know, what have you done lately? It's always the last podcast I did is the best one, you know? So like, I literally, I literally did a podcast with uh, Cody Simpson, a live show last night, where where him and I just really talked. Like it was just, he was very open and honest. And if you don't know Cody Simpson's story, he you know went from a musician to now he's an Australian uh, representative, Australian swimmer, and uh, he's got an incredible story. And and I was kind of part of the initial um, comeback for him, where he where I got him back into really good shape and swimming again and, and, and we and him and I have a great relationship but but I had this great conversation with him last night. So if, if you if if you want to learn anything about um, success and and how to be successful in life, like listen to that thirty minute podcast I did with, with Cody last night. It's a fantastic fantastic podcast. I love it. Um, but like look, I've also talked to uh, Dean Boxel. Dean Boxel is one that just jumps out in my mind. Dean Boxel uh, coached Ariana Titmus. Ariana mm. Titmus uh, was the was the person, the, the female that took down Katie Ledecky at the Olympics mm. last mm. year. Now, Katie Ledecky's unbeatable, right? And so Dean knew this, and so Dean Dean spends a couple of years analyzing Katie and following her and studying her and figuring out how to beat her and puts it into practice. Goes to the Olympics, takes this young girl and beats Katie Ledecky, and so he comes on and shares this story, and we have this incredible conversation for about three hours, and he he goes in depth about all of this, and he's very open and honest and raw as well. And it's just one of the greatest conversations I've ever had. And, and we, and we recorded it. So it's like history, you know? So mm. I often tell people go back and listen to the Dean Boxel podcast. Um, just brilliant. But yeah, look, uh, everybody's got their own story to share. And Everybody. I think that's yeah. what I love about it. You know, everybody's got some little nugget that they can, they can give to somebody and, and you can learn something every time you have a conversation. And, and I've always been open to that. I've always been open to, um, having conversations with people and learning from them, you know, and that's where I, I think I've, I've helped accelerate my own successes is because I've learned from other people, you know? Yeah. It's such a privilege, isn't it? These conversations we get to have, um, yeah. you know, but I, it's not just world-class people, a bit to what you're saying. I, I feel like the more time I've spent being a podcast host, you know, the, the probably the better I've become at understanding that everybody out there mm-hmm. has knowledge worth sharing that, you know, there's been times where I'm pushing my little ones on the swing and the guy next to me is pushing his little one on the swing. And I just start prying and having a conversation with him. And, and yeah. I leave going, everybody has a journey. Everybody has a story worth telling. Um, some people tell it better and some people have got an even more impressive story, but it's amazing the privilege that we have given ourselves to some degree by starting our own podcast that we get to just have these amazing conversations with people. And, you know, someone like touching on Cody Simpson, you know, the guy, he's got like 5 million followers on Instagram. He's a, would you call him a teen idol? What do they say these days with somebody who's like on the music? (laughs) Well, I think think at the time he was, you know, he was was a teen idol, but, um, you know, he's he's a 25-year-old man now. He's gone on to be so successful later in life. And I think that's that's kind of rare for someone like that too. You know, he's come on and he's he's just doing so many remarkable things. And now he's part of the Australian swim team. And that's just like, wow, like what a story to share. That's cool. I love that you were a part of that at the start. But, mate, let's talk about any question. Uh, um, You know, tell me about 
the, what you're doing um, and what yeah. is any question. You know, tell me about your role and, and some of your, you know, your recent onboards and some of your favorite sort of people that you've, yeah. you've brought on to the, the platform. Well, I guess initially, you know, you, you and, and Greg asked me, to, uh, you and uh, Ed, sorry, asked me to, um, you know, help build out the swimming side of the, of the platform. And I said, okay, great. And, you know, you, you took me under your wing and showed me, you know, what, what you were building and why you were building it and, and why it was important and then how it could relate to anybody, right? And, and I just, uh, I loved it. I loved the concept. I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, and the idea behind it is that, you know, you can come on, it's a place where you can share your knowledge and experience. And ultimately, that's what you and I were doing in kind of podcast form. But here it's like, you know, you open the app up, there's questions waiting for you and you can just select a question that you want to answer and then you come in and you can just share. And I think everybody, you see it now in social media, like everybody wants a voice. Everybody wants to be heard. Mm. And and not everybody has the same level of expertise, by the way. But mm. um, I think what we've decided uh, to build is is people that do have that that expertise, that knowledge and that, that history of success and um, that understanding of a particular craft. And we call it expertise, right? So, like, that's what I had in swimming uh, through, through my years of study. And, and I felt like I, I had separated myself and, and I knew people like me. So I just bought in like-minded people. I bought in Bob Bowman, who's Michael Phelps's coach, who, you know, obviously one of the greatest in history. I bought in my, my obviously my mentor, David Marsh. Um, and then I started bringing in Olympic athletes, um, you know, uh, all, all types of different Olympic athletes. And, uh, you know, one of the, my first one was Bruno Fratis. Bruno was a bronze medalist at the, at the Tokyo Olympics for me, you know. So, like, I, I bought people in that I knew who had expertise. Ryan Murphy was another guy, like an mm. Olympic champion. who Greatest backstroker in the world, right? I mean. Greatest backstroker in the world. Actually, yeah. he's at the World Championships right now in Australia, and I think he's going to win that t- tonight in mm. the 100 backstroke again. He won- he'll win another world title. So, like, yeah, my first phone calls were to these people that I greatly respect who have these expertise and knowledge, and I said, come on this platform and share it with me. And and they did that. And it's Sergio Lopez, another one of the greatest coaches, and, you know, is from Spain and just has his own way of answering questions and, and sharing his knowledge. And, and everybody's got their own unique style. But that's what any question is to me. It's like, look, anybody who has real, true expertise can come in and share that with everybody else and, and we can learn. Like we, You and I just uh, – and Ed and, and the team just opened up this um, pets channel where, you know, we have – we have these pet trainers, the dog trainers coming. I have a dog and I've got all these questions about my dog. And now I've got these pet experts, these dog trainers in the app. And I'm in the app like any other user learning from these these pet trainers, like mm, these dog mm. trainers, and I'm learning so much. And at the same time, I'm onboarding them, bringing them onto the app, you know, so my job is to find them and bring them in. And, um, and that's so exciting. So I'm talking to them about the app and then I go in and I'm, 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 I'm a user. Like I'll listen, I'll ask them questions and I'll listen to their answers and then I'll apply it to my life. So I'm making my life better by learning from people. And I'm, I'm, I'm not having to, uh, now, like I'm just taking in so much information and learning so quickly that I feel like I'm just a better human. I'm, I'm improving my life, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. my, my, my life around me is getting better because I'm learning so much from this platform. And I think that's what any question is. You know, there's so much noise and, and, and fakeness, you know, you get a real person at the other end of the answer on the, on the question that you're asking a real person who, who genuinely responds authentically. You know, I I like that about the platform too. So um, yeah. and, And we've opened it up to, everybody and everything in the sense that we want to find expertise everywhere and share it with everybody. So we're, we're starting all these new channels, which is exciting. Um, and any question right now is, is whatever we want to make it. That's the other, that's the other beautiful thing about this thing is like, what do we want to make it? Because it's, it's not defined three years from now. Like we, we still are creating our own roadmap of what we want to be. Mm. And I, that really, really excites me. You yeah. Know? It's exciting. Isn't it? I mean, we're, we're one year in. It was heavily focused on endurance sports for the first sort of six months, swimming, triathlon, you know, cycling, running. And then we moved sort of into strength and nutrition and musculoskeletal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then, you know, healthcare came on board. And, yeah. and other sports, you know, adaptive sports and hockey have all sort of come on. And yeah. cross-country skiing recently has been a big one, but it's been also fun just to see, like you said, 
you know, a channel like Pets coming on and uh, we've got so many new areas that we're reaching out to find people with the ultimate amount of experience and expertise. And uh, so tell me about who, who have you been onboarding recently? Because I know you've got some, I, I'm always envious of you being the head of expert acquisition and you have your team of, of people that onboard every single one of our curated experts that we have coming on. Who have you been bringing on recently? Well, I'll, t- I'll give you a day in the life of Brett Hawke right now. You know, like, <laughs> I had this day the other day, it's just memorable, where, I, where it was just a, an eclectic mix of people that, you know, I set up these Zoom calls with experts uh, in different fields, everybody on our app, and, and they get to choose when they set up a time for me. So like I had this one day where it was like just a, a, a random mix of people that had set up these onboarding calls with me. And so my first call was a, a NASA photographer, right? Like this guy takes photos for NASA. That's his job. He takes photos of rockets. And I'm sitting there talking to this guy about his job and he's telling me all about it. And I'm like, wow, that's that's incredible. The next call I go into 30 minutes later is a, a big wave surfer, you know, like one of the greatest big wave surfers in the world. He rides 60 foot monsters, you know, and that's his job, like to travel the world. Like he, he sits on an app and tells him, where's the surf? Uh, where's it happening in the world? And he'll get on a plane and fly to the surf he'll take a camera crew with him they'll film it and that's his job like he, mm. he rides the biggest monsters in the world uh, on a surfboard um and then 30 minutes later i have a dog specialist who's one of the world's leading dog trainers and i'm here you know i've got a spanish water dog and i'm like so i'm asking them questions as i'm going through <laughs> the learning process you know 30 minutes later i'm having a, a conversation with the head of genetics at harvard university this guy they call him the father of genetics mm. you know like uh He's, he's so intelligent he's kind of on the Einstein level. And here I am having a one-on-one conversation with this man. I'm thinking to myself, I wish there were some flies on the wall right now. I wish Greg and <laughs> I wish Ed and, and all, the, all the team could see me. I'm talking to this genetics expert. I know nothing about genetics other than the fact that, um, you know, it's nice to know that you've got smart people out there looking after you. So, I mean, this guy was incredible. I, can't, I couldn't even describe it. And he was he was just as intrigued with me being a five-time Olympian yeah. as I was with him. And that's the beauty of the conversation. It's not one way. They've, they're, they're just as excited to talk to, you know, an Olympian as, as I am to talk to, you know, a Harvard professor. And then, you know, and then a couple of, you know, an hour later after I have a break, I've got an Olympic champion swim coach come in and then, and then I bring in uh, one of my friends who worked for us at, at Auburn, who was the head nutritionist for us. He went on to become the head of Dallas Cowboys nutrition. So he's he's getting the Dallas Cowboys <clears throat> fed to have these performances, and, and that's what he does now. Like, that's his full-time job. So I, I brought him onto the app. Um, and then I finished off with uh, a national pickleball champion. So I'm like, <laughs> it's just... We're just all over the place. Um, oh, actually, no, I, uh, in there I had another guy who, he's a marathon runner. He's an incredible story, right? He, uh, he, comes, from, uh, he comes from somewhere in Africa and he, he takes a, take, gets a scholarship to, to um, Alaska, you know, a university in Alaska. So he comes from Africa. He's a runner. He gets a scholarship to run in um, Alaska. He goes out one night for a run and something happens. Anyway, they find him 36 hours later. He's on the side of the road. And he's got frostbite. They, long story short, they have to go in. They have to take his feet off. This guy's a marathon runner, oh and they have to take his feet, both feet. <clears throat> and what does he do when he wakes up? The first thing he says is, "Thank God I'm alive." You know, like oh, mm. I mean, it just it breaks me up now. Like thinking about it. like the first thing he says is, "Thank yeah. God I'm alive." He doesn't he doesn't complain that he doesn't have feet. This man's a runner, and they take his feet. He doesn't complain about that. He says, "Thank you that I'm alive." And they and he says, "Can I still run?" And they say, "Yeah, with prosthetics." He says, "Great, I'll run with prosthetics." Now he's a he's a a, a world record holder for adaptive athletes who he runs with no feet. He runs with prosthetics. You know these these things that he puts on his feet to run these marathons. And now he's a world record holder. I mean, it's just. Incredible people, mate. Just mate, a day in the life of Brett Hawke. You've heard me say it to the team several times. Like, I think you've got the best job in the world where, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong, you, you are talking a lot and it can be tiring, but just these people that are coming onto the platform, um, I think we're up to 
650, 700 um, world yeah. renowned sort of people with expertise and yeah. across, I don't know, 20 plus channels now and, uh, and it's growing rapidly. And I, I, I just, you know, a lot of that is due to you and, 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 uh, who you brought on originally, you know, we have in the swimming channel, people like Caleb Dressel and some of the biggest names that you can imagine in, in, in the swimming world. And, and yeah. then obviously with your background, like you said, being a five-time Olympian, being able to speak to, you know, a NASA photographer or a geneticist yeah. or whatever it is, it's yeah. really extraordinary. How is being an athlete, being a world-renowned coach, how has that kind of helped in the way you're working now in the corporate space? I think back to the time where I sat down with uh, yourself and, and Ed and you kind of offered me the job and, and you said, you know, you're doing a great job in swimming, but could you do this in other facets of life could you could you onboard other people other experts and you know you want to respond straight away like oh of course I can but I I sat there for a second I had real doubt I was like I don't I don't know if I could do this in other areas and and what I found is that if you have a set of core principles that you've learned through athletics those then translate into any type of success that you want to have and Mm -hmm. so like yes you're going to have your doubt you're going to have your fear you're going to have um, anxiety and those sorts of things are always going to be part of the deal, right? But what you learn to do as an athlete is, is manage those. And you go back to your core principles. So my, my core principles are these, Greg. So first of all, show up on time. To me, on time is five minutes early. Like that, that's on time. I'm, I'm always five minutes You and minutes I are early. always the first to the Zoom calls, have you noticed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like uh, to me, it's just, you know, five minutes early is on time. And so that, that's a core principle. And then people respect you for that, right? Like mm. if you turn up to a Zoom call and you're sitting there waiting for someone, they respect, oh, wow, he's, he's on time. So that's, that's there. And then it's be prepared, right? Like you've got to have, you've got to be prepared for anything and you've got to be able to, to adapt and, and you've got to be able to connect with people. So you've got to be prepared. Do a little bit of homework on yeah, them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're doing a little bit of homework on you, so you better know who you're talking to. So I do that. And then the next thing is you work until the job gets done. Like you don't you don't stop, you know, mm. you, you get the job done. And so I work on a 24-hour uh, period, you know, like mm. what can I do today to be the best I can today to get the job done today? Like I understand what I've got to do on Thursday and Friday, that's in my calendar, but I can't worry about that now. If I worry about Thursday today, then I'm, fo- I'm not focused on today. So I always focus on what I can do today and be the most successful I can be today. You know, w- one of the things Ed told me is, Brett, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm mm. not good at that because I'm a sprinter, right? <laughs> Um, and you told me that, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, Greg, I can't, I can't do the stuff you do, but you know, you always tell me Brett, slow down. It's not a, it's not a sprint. And so like, I've always, I've tried to take that on board of like, look, you're not going to get it all done, you know, in, in two months, you, you know, take your time with it. Um, and, and, but if you focus on the daily, you can get the, you can, you can be successful. And then you obviously learn from mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but you got to learn from them. You can't make the same mistakes over and over again and expect to be successful. It's okay to make mistakes, yeah. but learn from them. And then, you know, you surround yourself with smarter people. I've done that with you and Ed for sure, right? So, like, that's an easy one for me. I was like, okay, well, these guys are smarter than me. So surround yourself with smart people. And then I think another core principle for me is, you know, you got to be able to work within a team for sure. Like, you yeah. know, teamwork is important. Here's a big one for me, though, that I think um, – you know, celebrate successes along the way. Yes, like I, I'm, yes. I'm pretty good at that. Like I, I, I think, look, every person that comes onto the app is a new person for us. And I celebrate that. I, I, I love it. I love that, mm. that, that we're bringing new people on every day. And, and that could be a, an expert or a user. Every time a user comes on to, to use our platform, you know, I like to celebrate yeah. that stuff. So I, you know, everybody counts for me. So, so I like to celebrate the successes. And then the last thing I guess there's a core principle is, don't ever lo- let a, a loss crush you, you know, mm. completely. You know, lo- you, you're going to take losses, but you don't let them crush you. You, um, you, you help the, you, you use them to elevate you. And I think, look, those are the things you learn in athletics, Greg, and those apply to anything, right? If you, if you stick to those core principles and, and you do them well, I guarantee you, you'll be successful in anything that you attempt, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn that through athletics. You and me both are surrounded by very smart people in this company. And I yeah. think that's, you know, when you see people, you know, our now head of operations, Ryan Dirk, and mm-hmm. or head of product, mm-hmm. you know, Joshua yeah. Friedman, or Lang Ching, yeah. who, you know, head of mm-hmm. analytics. These are brilliant, 
people. Yeah. <laughs> I sit back sometimes going, almost watching, a, like it's watching a sporting event. You're, you're watching great minds work at such a rapid rate that you sit back in, in awe and go, oh yeah, I'm meant to be contributing as well. Oops, <laughs> because I'm oh, so, yeah. I just love watching these people work. One of the ways that I picked the team that I wanted to go to in America is I, I picked a team where, that was full of people that were better than me, right? So yeah. that when I went to practice, I got beat up every day and, and they made me better. So I was like number six or seven on the depth chart. I didn't pick a team where I walked in. I was the top dog. No. I walked in and I had to earn my spot. And I think that's that's what I talk about. Surround yourself with smarter you know, people that are smarter than you. We, we have that on our team. And those people make me better, you know, yeah. so I'm not as intelligent as them, but they're improving my intelligence by being around them, you know, mm. and I'm, I'm getting smarter. So, you know, if I was to then go into another room with different people, I might be the smartest man in the room now because I've been surrounded by yeah. Yeah. Baker and, you know, other people. So there's that. I want to I want to say, say one other example here. You know, I, I learned this from Grant Hackett. Grant Hackett's one of the greatest athletes in, in Australian swimming history. Mm. Um, you know, multiple, he, he hadn't been beaten in a 1500 swimming event in the pool for seven years. He, he had a seven year streak where he was unbeaten. And, and he, and he, he answered this, uh, this, uh, this question for me, do athletes make good employees? And I, and I think, um, you know, you've asked me this in the past, do, do athletes make good employees? And this is what he said. And I think it relates really well. He said, look, when I became Olympic champion, I look back and it took me, it took me 10 years of work to get to that point, right? So when I go into a new venture, when I go into a business, I'm not going in as Grant Hackett, the Olympic champion. I'm going in as Grant Hackett, the man who started 10 years previously, who had to start from the bottom again. So if this is what I learned from Grant Hackett. It was so beautiful. He said, Brett, a lot of athletes go in thinking that they should be treated the way that they, they were by – what they earned athletically, right? So, yes, I'm Olympic champion, so I'm going to go into this business and everybody's going to treat me like the Olympic champion. He went in with the mindset of you're going to be Grant Hackett, the 15-year-old who's earning his way to be Olympic champion. Yeah. And so everything that I learned along the way, I had to then reapply to business. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do here in business is, yes, I'm, I'm smart and I'm experienced and I'm good at something else, but that's not going to make me the best businessman. It's not going to make me the best tech person, right? So I have to go in with the mentality of I'm starting from the bottom again. And when you have that mentality, when you have that athlete's mentality where you start from the bottom again, then you can be successful. Then you'd make a great employee. You're not going to make a great employee by walking in saying, everybody bow down to me because I'm Grant Hackett. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, I agree with that. And I, I think having any kind of career before you go and pivot and go a new direction, it's a nice to have and you've got all your learnings, like you said. But I Mm. think one of the things of being an athlete is it's a real patience game. You know, it's like, like Grant said, it's 10 years. And I've said this to Ed several times is, look, I don't want it. I don't want the journey to be as long as my athletic career. And and what I mean by that is, you know, I found the sport when I was 15. By 25, I won my first sort of World Series race. By 30, I was world number one. And by 35, I finally became sort of like the the biggest prize money earner. Like those yeah. little steps that I, yeah. that I, that's, you know, we're talking 10, 15, you know, 20, 25 years of, of consistent work. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I want any question to explode and be a lot faster than that. But I also come from a mindset of, like you mentioned earlier, that this is an Ironman triathlon. It's a marathon. It's it, We're getting going yeah. here. We're building our team. We're establishing wo- where our weaknesses are and mitigating those. We're identifying our strengths and we're playing to those the best we can. We're, mm. we're understanding the marketplace, which is your competitors and you know how are you going to beat them in the game. And all of that matters. And you've got to just sort of work at that over time. Now, the difference is, and a bit like being an athlete, the money can run out, all sorts of things can happen. So there's still this kind of sense of urgency, but then step back and be patient. Be urgent, step back. Um, And I think athletes have that kind of ability to do push phases, know when they got to push hard, know when they got to sit back. Um, Mm -hmm. But mate, you've been a pearl of wisdom in this episode. And I haven't finished up because I have a couple of other questions for you. and, and you've kind of touched on a few of these already, so it might be too difficult for you. But first question I have, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? What would I tell my 18-year-old self? Um, if I go back to when I was 18, what jumps out at me is I, is I had ambition and I had dreams 
and I, and I had a vision for myself at 18 that may, probably nobody else had, you know, at that point in time, mm, I was, mm, mm. I wouldn't say delusional, but I had, I had greater expectations for myself than probably the people around me. Right. Mm. Like I, I saw, I saw where I wanted to go and that probably wasn't on everybody else's roadmap, but it was on my roadmap. So what I'd say to my 18 year old self is you were right. You know, you were right. Like it was, <laughs> I love it. You know, you I were right it. to you were right to dream big. You yeah. were right to you were right to hold yourself accountable. You were right to back yourself. You were right to be uncomfortable at that point in time. Like uh, everybody runs from being uncomfortable. I was I was embracing the unco- the uncomfortableness. Right, like I mm. I was really embracing it. Like this is going to make you better, Brett, and and stick to your guns. Like it's okay to be uncomfortable right now. Don't run from that. Mm. And so I tell I tell my eighteen year old self, you were right, you know. And I think too often we want to go back and say, oh, you were wrong. You regret this. You regret that. No, I I don't. Like I don't yeah. have any regrets. Um, in the sense of where I was at 18, I was dreaming very, very big and, and it wasn't the dreams of the people around me, right? And so, um, and the other thing I'd say probably to my 18-year-old my self is like, I, I dreamed of what the world was at that point in time because I hadn't explored the world. I've never, I'd never been outside of Australia really at 18 mm-hmm. and, I, and I imagined the world was beautiful. And, and I'll tell you this, uh, uh, I'll go back and tell my 18-year-old self, you were right about that too. The world is beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful people in it. There's a lot of beautiful places. I've I've been I've been all over the uh, all over the globe, Greg. Just like you, I've been I've been around the world six times. You know, I've seen everything there is to see. I've eaten every food there is to eat now. And at 18, all I had was dreams about that. And and again, I was right on that. You know, so like the world is a beautiful place. And um, I'd tell myself to do exactly what what I had. Uh, had That's wanted. awesome. I love that. You were right to dream big. Yeah. You were right to not doubt yourself. And, yeah. and just go for it. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. Um, all right, next one. Who would you want to have dinner with? Uh, non-family. They can be living or dead. Three people. Non-family. Who would I want to have dinner with? Um, you know, I, I hope it's okay if I break this rule because my, my grandfather died when I was 21 mm. and my grandfather was an alcoholic, right? Mm. I'm a, a pretty severe alcoholic. Like uh, he would get drunk every day and, and he would lose his temper. He was a he was a violent alcoholic, and I grew up with this man. And when he wasn't drunk, he was the most beautiful human on earth. And and he believed in me. He he mm. wanted me to be great, right? And I guess that's where my dreams came from was from him, mm. you know. Mm. And um, he died when I was twenty one. And what he wanted from me was everything that he wanted from himself that he couldn't do, right? Like he was yeah. an alcoholic and it, it consumed him. And at that point, he had no control over it, right? And um, but what he told me is like, you know, don't be me, don't don't follow me, be be the best person you can be, and you know, mm. follow your dreams, you know. So. I think um, I think I'd want to go back and you know definitely show him what I've done over mm. the past 20, 20 or so years. You know, so that would be cool. Um, and I guess another person that I've always idolised is Elvis. I love Elvis for some reason. How about you know? that recent movie? <laughs> so oh, the good. recent movie was amazing. I thought that guy who played Elvis was phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. I, was I, I wasn't into Elvis as much as you were, but after that yeah. movie, I was like, "Whoa, I get it. Yeah. I get it." <laughs> yeah, I love Elvis. I always want. I was fascinated with Elvis. Um, you know, again, I think someone who just maximized their talent. You know, yeah. I was just. I loved his music. I loved everything about him. Um, and I think uh, another person I really want to meet who's living, who's been an inspiration to me, is Joe Rogan. I think um, Joe, Joe yeah. you know, I listen to his podcast and I think I took a lot of the way he did his podcasting and I put that into mine and it's applied really well. And I would just like to thank him, you know. I, I think he does a phenomenal job and, and um, yeah, I think he's a fascinating guy and, I, and uh, I've got a lot of the same interests as him with MMA and things like that. So, yeah, I think I'd love to love to have dinner with Joe Rogan. What a great three. And, and uh, I think uh, I, I'm the same kind of feeling with Joe Rogan, you know, it was like listening to his and, and watching what he did that really inspired me as well on my show. So it's you, you and yeah. I are both big fans of the way he's he's conducted himself and that show for so many years. Yeah. Um, he's phenomenal. What a great, what a great dinner, mate. And, uh, you know, just touching on y- your grandfather, it's like uh, there's just so much with- wisdom 
um, with the older generation that mm-hmm. I think in the West we're not tapping into. It's one of the areas I'm really excited about, you know, with any question is, is building, yeah. building out something where we can really have a legacy platform where we can, yeah. we can really get that wisdom. Yeah, you take a 90-year-old man, look at the life that man has lived. We always think we're doing, the the world is giving us something new, you know, and it's like, no, these people have seen it all before and I'm fortunate to to surround myself with with many people that are, have far more experience than I do. They're, they're yeah. older, they've been through it all, whether that's my mom or some of my finance mentors or whoever it is, and they're the, the best people to learn from, truly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. All right, next, next question, big one. Where do you see yourself in three years? In three years, um, I see myself in Boston because I just moved here and I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy to be in a new city. Um, I'm happy to be working for the company, but look, I think ultimately what we've done over the past, you know, six to 12 months, we've made promises to people that like we're going to do something with this company and I'm determined to do that. I know Ed's determined, you're determined. And for three years I I see myself in exactly the same position, but I see myself fulfilling some of those promises, right? Like I think a lot of people have backed us, a lot of people have trusted us, and I take that very – I take that with – a huge responsibility of like, look, if somebody's going to put a lot of trust and faith in me, I better put some action behind this. So three years from now, everything that we've been telling people that we, we will be and, and we want to be, then that's what we're going to be. And that that's what I'm going to fulfill that promise for, you know, and that's where I'll be in three years from now. Love it, buddy. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm right there with you. Yep. Let's finish. You're a rapid-fire athlete. You, you're fast Uh-oh. twitch. You're all the power in the world. I'm going to finish with some rapid-fire questions at you. You ready? All right, let's, let's give it a go. Okay, one book you'd recommend. Oh, one book I'd recommend is Like, Comment, Subscribe. That mm. is the one about YouTube. That's a great book. Like, Comment, Subscribe. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bergen, I think it is. Great book. Yeah, I, I did that one on Audible a while. It's a big book, but it's a, yeah. a lot of – it gives you an understanding of how sort of YouTube – Gee, they've had to do a lot in terms of figuring things out. You know, we yeah. think, oh, yeah, they're just awesome. It's like, yeah, they've had to go through a hell of a lot to make it happen. Yeah. All right, two most used apps on your phone. Oh, two most used. I mean, Instagram, unfortunately, you know, like I'm definitely, uh, you know, I built, I built a platform on Instagram and I think the other one is YouTube. Like I have yeah. a, a YouTube channel. So like uh, YouTube and Instagram are probably the two big ones for me, yeah. What time of day are you most productive? Um, I would say later, later in the afternoon when people are kind of going to sleep, I, I, I have this kick, <laughs> just, you know this, you, you go to bed early and I'm, I'm up there doing stuff. So I have this kick from like seven to 10. I think, for, I think the seven to 10 range for me is a pretty productive range. First job. Uh, I picked up golf balls or not even picked up golf balls. So what, what people, this is, a, I, this is how I learned to swim too, I would say. So I would sit in a lake, you know, I was, my house was surrounded by three golf balls golf uh, range, you know, golf yeah. club. And we would go down to the lakes and we would sit in the lake and the golfers would hit their ball into the lake. I would dive down, grab their ball, wash it off for them, and I would sell it back to them for five bucks. I mean, that's a job, right? <laughs> that's my first job right there, selling golf balls to people that would, would smack them into the lake. Nice, nice hustle. Mm-hmm. All right. Out of 10, how cool are you? Uh I mean, I have my moments where I'm probably a five on some days and I'm probably a nine and a half on others. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Gemini, you know, I got two sides. So <laughs> I love it. I'll give you the nine and a half. I'll give you the nine and a half. I don't think you're quite a 10 yet. You're nine and a half, but <laughs> yeah. you're a very suave man. Yeah. All right. Who would you want to play a movie of your life? If he could swim, probably Brad Pitt. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Brad Pitt fan or... Um, or uh, Johnny Depp or, or Brad Pitt. I Those think two Chris guys. Hemsworth would might fit you and your personality more. Yeah, good dude. I'd like to meet him. Yeah, how's yeah. he going? Yeah, there yeah. we go. All right, uh, here we go. Which decade of music is best? Oh, nineties, easy nineties. Yeah, I'm a nineties guy. Uh, Guns and Roses, Nirvana. You know, like I'm a I'm a grunge rock type guy for sure. I think, and then and then hip hop. You know, like. Uh, Tupac, Biggie Smalls, you know, like I, I kind of go both ways there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely 90s for sure. All right. If you could be transformed into any one animal, which animal would you choose? Uh, I've always been fascinated with the tiger. I, I like tigers. Well, that's your university, wasn't it? Auburn Tigers? Yeah, Auburn Tigers. Yeah, the yeah. tigers. But, you know, uh, I, I had uh, I tell this story, you know, I, and again, I go back to this 2004 where I'm sitting next to Ian Thorpe where, where he, got, he gets us in a group and he says, 
he's trying to conjure up uh, images and he, he goes around the group and he says, what's an animal that um, invokes a sense of strength in you? And so we all go around, this is like 10 minutes before he goes out to race. And uh, yeah. so we go around the, the group and everybody gives an animal. And I did say a hawk because hawk's my last name. And he said, why, why do you say hawk? And I said, well, what the hawk does is it, 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 it goes up into the air and it circles and it swoops down on its prey and it grabs its prey, you know, after it circles its prey for a while. And he's like, I like that. I like that. And so then, you know, 10 minutes later, he goes out in the Olympic final and he <laughs> kind of did that Hulk move where he swooped and then last minute he, he, uh, he came in. and Came just, in over the top. I yeah. love that. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Timo, where is somewhere you haven't been you'd like to go? Oh, easy. I haven't been to Africa. I was telling someone oh, this the yes, other day. I, yes. I can't believe I haven't been to Africa. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I, uh, all the way, all the way through, you know, South Africa, all the way up, up to the top. You next know? offsite, so, mate. Our next uh, retreat offsite for any question. Yeah, we'll put it on love, the books. Love to go to Africa, <laughs> and then the other one is the Middle East. Like I haven't been in the Middle East, so I'd like to, I'd like to go to any one of those countries in the Middle East that is safe enough to go to. Yeah, it's almost the more you travel, the more you realize you haven't gone anywhere. Like, yeah. you know, to your point earlier, yeah. you've been around the world six, you know, times. and Oh, yeah. I've been everywhere except those two places. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. isn't it? All right, yeah. last one, big one, greatest movie of all time. Oh, that's easier. For me, it's um, Godfather Part Two. I love The Godfather Part Two. I think that's just an epic classic, you know. Yeah, when they, I love when they it. Go, um, De Niro and uh, Pacino. De Niro and Pacino. They go back and forward between the young, the young Godfather and the and the up and coming. You know, oh yeah. man, Godfather Part Two is just an epic movie. Yeah, I could do that all day, every day. Well, mate, this has been a real treat. It's been so great just to chat with you for an hour. I know you've got to get back to work. We're recording on a Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> you've yeah. got more people yeah. on board and things to get involved in. And uh, firstly, I just want to say. It's been just a, a real privilege to work with you this past year yeah. to have you come on and your enthusiasm for what we're doing has just been absolutely incredible. Uh, and secondly, just to have you come back on the show, have a chat with me. It's been really fantastic, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that too. And look, I, I I appreciate your love and support, but sometimes I need doubters as well. So if there's any doubters out there, for people that think that we're not going to make this happen, let me know, okay? I need to feed off your energy sometimes. <laughs> It's like feeding <laughs> off this. I've, I've talked about that on the show, how some people feed off love and some people feed yeah. off hate. And yeah. my, my theory is, if I can quickly share it, is my, my theory is love is the endurance side mm. that you can feed off and hate mm. is the sprint. Hate is yeah, the one that gets you fired up in a particular moment, but it's yeah. not long lasting. You can't be fueled yeah. on hate for forever. Yeah. So they're That's nice true. to use. Mate, what's next for you? you? You moved to Boston. You're all wrapped up. Yeah, just moved to Boston, joined the city. Get to know it. Uh, bring my kids up here. They'll they'll get a feel for it, you know. And uh, I got fourteen year old gr- uh, twin girls, <clears throat> and uh, they they keep me busy. So yeah, just bring them up here and enjoy the city a little bit, and then just uh, digging into work. You know, we got a head start on twenty twenty three, I think, with the business. But I think yeah. I want to hit the ground running and and really go go in on this thing in twenty three and make some real strides. So yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm, and um, again, I'm just so thankful to you for for bringing me into this. You know, you really opened a, a new chapter in my life that I'm, I'm really thrilled to be part of this, man. Well, mate, you're more than welcome and I'm on the journey with you. So here we go. And like you said, head start on 2023. We've got big things happening. So everybody keep an eye out for any question. Uh, you can go to anyquestion.com or you go any question on iOS or Android and come and check us out. Uh, Brett, mate, thanks so much for your time and for just sharing your journey and all your knowledge, mate. really has been fantastic. I appreciate you, mate. All right, mate. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. And for everybody listening, you can find out more at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. You can find the show notes there and timestamps and everything else. You can also go ask Brett any question at anyquestion.com forward slash Brett Hawk. And he's already answered, I think, over a thousand questions so far but he's so responsive if you've got any follow-up questions go check him out there thanks a lot for listening if you've enjoyed the show your support would truly be appreciated you can visit the patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice don't miss the next episode so subscribe and be notified For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.